What's more terrifying, a psychotic serial killer in a gym or John Travolta's thrusting crotch? Find out today on Cinema Oblivia. Welcome to Cinema Oblivia, your podcast for forgotten, unremembered, disregarded, thrown away, or otherwise not talked about films. I am, as always, your host, James Eldred, and joining me today for the very first repeat guest on Cinema Oblivia is... Matt Cusick. Yes, from Joysticks. Matt is my go-to garbage man. Of Sorry, joy, Joystick. No, joy, no, that's what they wanted it to be. But they, He wanted one joystick, it was Joysticks. Yeah. One, one dick is bad. That's what we call it, a callback? Yes, yes. Anyway, Matt, thanks for coming back. Like I said, you are my go-to friend for, let's say, not good movies. Sure. I, yeah. I'll, I will wear that crown with pride. Well, I'm glad you put on that crown of shit and <laughs> That's go with it. Just slap it right on there. Oh, yeah. Anyway, sorry about that. Yeah, like we said last time, Matt joined me to talk about Joysticks, the 1983 sex comedy set in an arcade. Is a great idea, and if you want, you can check out that episode. That was definitely a movie that was inspired by a fad, the fad being the early 80s arcade boom. Today, we are looking at not one, but two movies inspired by another 80s fad. We are looking at 1985's Perfect, starring John Travolta and Jamie Lee Curtis. Yep. And 1987's Killer Workout, starring nobody. Um, and directed by David A. Pry- B. Movie, um, classic straight to video, yeah, straight to video, um, magnet, David A. Pryor's Killer Workout. Both these these are two very very different films that have two things in common. One, both aren't very good. <laughs> two, yep. they are both trying to capitalize on the 1980s aerobics fitness craze. Matt, before the before we did this, before I decided to do this episode, had you seen either of these films before? Yes, I, I have seen Killer Workout. Yeah, I think I watched about a third of Killer Workout at your house drunk one time. Probably. It's not, once again, that's usually how people end up watching these things when they're in my orbit. Yeah, yeah. And had you even heard of Perfect? I have never heard of this film before. Yes, I was happy because we, we were talking about doing another episode and you you wanted to talk about Killer Workout. You, you mentioned right. it. And I was like, oh, that gives me an excuse to talk about Perfect because nobody's going to do that ever. <laughs> so, yeah. I, yeah. So, I, because Perfect is a movie that I, I, until recently, I had never seen, but it had always fascinated me because it just sounded like such a terrible idea for a movie. And it turns out, hey, I was right. The, the crazy part about this movie and the fact that I've never heard of it is that I feel like I should have at some point. Yeah, with the cast and stuff, but with the cast and just how crazy it is, and and how it tries to be some sort of like '80s 
bombastic kind of like anyway when we get into it when we get into it yeah we'll get into it when we get into it but yes both these films are trying to capitalize on the workout boom of the early 80s because people don't really think about it nowadays because like gyms are kind of omnipresent now right like they're everywhere yes well but yeah, yeah. i mean I, I i i was a gym member in pittsburgh at what la fitness um I'm still technically a gym member but i haven't been to it because of the whole thing yeah same here but. yeah in japan we have anytime fitness and they won't they won't take american credit cards so i was just paying by month so when the when the pandemic started i'd stop paying so that worked out really well but yeah. i don't want yeah. i don't want mine to close so i was like i oh, that's not much it's a very small gym so yeah well that, that's different that's local mine is my gym never closed in the pandemic yay yeah anyway so people of mine too and that's like this is a bad place to breathe heavy yeah, yeah. The bad places to breathe heavy is that's my new gay bar. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> um, but yes, before you know, if you're our age or younger, forties or younger, gyms and and aerobics and that's that's kind of this part of the culture. But it wasn't always that way. Before the eighties, gyms weren't really for normal humans. <laughs> they were they were for fitness freaks and muscle heads, like like Schwarzenegger type people, yeah, bodybuilders bodybuilders and 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 actual athletes and people who were working out for a specific reason not everybody but in 1980 late 70s early 80s you know there's these people called baby boomers maybe you heard of them and they're starting to get old and their diets aren't so good so hey they invented mcdonald's they invented mcdonald's look what happened so Gym culture was kind of starting before then, I think, and especially aerobics culture. And there's a lot of things that kind of came together at one moment to make this kind of a huge deal. I think one of the first things that that really started was jazzercise. Now, you were a kid in the 80s. Matt, did your mom do jazzercise? Absolutely not. Oh, wow. All of my moms, my my mom and all my mom's friends did. Okay, yeah, no, my my parents are very much much not that type of people <laughs> yeah i mean they well, I mean, it was something to do you know so but, we also I mean, kind of lived out in the middle of nowhere so that'll do it i mean yeah toledo ain't exactly booming but <laughs> there's more booming than delmont the local y had a exercise class my mom went there i remember that and my my neighbor's mom had exercise records that i remember seeing but exercise actually started in the late 60s when a woman who was teaching jazz found out that most of her students were just going there to exercise. <laughs> I, so, real quick, I actually uh-huh. have an acquaintance that to this day, like my age, is uh-huh. a jazzercise instructor. Wow. Yeah. There you go. I was, it's, I was surprised when I first when she first told me that as well. Like, I'm like, Wait, <laughs> that's still a thing. And then she got mad when I brought up that question. So I never brought it up again. <laughs> you have to tell me who. Do, 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 do I know this person? No, no, this is a okay, this is an acquaintance okay. of a of a yeah, definitely not. Okay, that's too bad. But yeah, so like it was kind of bubbling up in the 70s in 1979, the very first Jazzercise album came out. Uh and they released a few more in the early 80s. It's hard to track down exact figures because people stopped writing about them, you know, by the end of the 80s, but by the time the third one came out, the first one had sold half a million copies. And there were VHS tapes, and then there were instructors and gyms. And by 1984, there were almost 3,000 instructors, over 300,000 students, and it was making $40 million a year. So there was money there. (laughs) Yes. 
it's crazy to think how quick it blew up. And there was dancer size, kind of the same thing with albums that also went gold and went into Billboard 200. There were exercise albums in the Billboard Top 200. Think about that. <laughs> it's a bit, yeah. If you have, if yeah, before the era of gyms on every corner, really, yeah. and and the internet. But it's it's just crazy to me to think that there were Billboard albums that would rec- exercise like, albums made the Billboard charts that were exercise records. So do you happen to have the information of how high up Billboard it got? It made the top two hundred. So, but even you got to think back in the eighties, people bought records. Right, not like now when no one does. So making the to- making the billboard mattered. So you had jazzercise and dancercise, but I think the really big thing that catapulted the workout craze was Jane Fonda. Yeah, even yeah, I remember that phase being a thing. That even was, though I was young. Yeah, growing up when we grew up, Jane Fonda wasn't really an actress anymore. She was a, the workout queen. Because, I mean, that's, I think when I was young, that's all I thought she was. Yeah, that's all I really knew her from. I knew, I knew, I mean, I was watching old movies when I was a kid because I was weird. But other than that, yeah, I really only knew her from the workout videos. Those videos were gigantically huge, just massively huge hits. I, I wonder how much of it was also just thirsty people. What do you mean? Like, I mean, watching a. It's kind of like PG porn in a way. That's a little bit of it, but people are buying these tapes that cost 60, be- 60 bucks. Yeah, I mean, so, you unless, know. I mean, at that point, just buy it. Buy you know, Playboy was making videos. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, yeah, because it's PG porn. They don't feel yeah, I, as. Yes, but I, you would rent it then at that point, I would imagine. Well, then you, you have know. to go into some place and like show your face to somebody and. Yeah. But regardless, the series sold 17 million copies. So that's not just perverts. You know, I think fitness was overall just part of the world. I mean, there was Lillian Newton-John's physical video, which was a huge hit. And you know, I love that song. So, and the video was all workout themed. And of course, there was Richard Simmons. <laughs> God, bless him. What he's, a weird man, but he's, he's delightful. He just wants people to be healthy. He just wants hey, people to be healthy, you know? Totally. And in sequence. Sorry, you said healthy and remind me of Slim Goodbody from... I think the same area. Yeah, Slim Good- yeah, there you go. More, you know. Didn't di- was it you? Or- didn't Tony call him? That was me and Chris. Yeah, yeah, I knew. Yeah, yeah, you and I'll cut out his last name, but yeah, you. Sorry, yes. you you called Slim Goodbody, didn't you? We were both drunk, and we looked him up on the internet back in the early two thousands. Saw <laughs> that there was a number on a website. Figured it was like to an office or a PR person. It literally just called his house. So we drunkenly talked to Slim Goodbody for like five, ten minutes. How'd that go? It, he was delightful. <laughs> I, I can't, I can't fault the man. He got somewhat trolled by two twenty-somethings, and he was, he was very kind. 
<laughs> I forgot all about that story until until you said the word Slim Goodbody. If anybody else would have said the word Slim Goodbody, that would not have tri- that would not have triggered in my brain. But you mentioning it, yeah, Slim Goodbody was like the like the he was the guy who wore that 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 bodysuit. Yeah, it was a bodysuit with like the innards of a human body on it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's and what it was, right? Yeah, and it was not for whore. It was uh, educational. I mean, it wasn't for that, but... <laughs> but I, I was... when I was, I'm sorry, that, that's, that's true. When I was looking up, like, just looking at the 80s fitness craze, there were so many celebrity fitness tapes. Angela Lansbury had one. Oh, my God, I want to see that one. <laughs> There were even more in the '90s because, like, the Thigh Masters more than '90s, like Susan. Oh, Susan yeah, Thomas. that's yep. more than '90s. But like Marie Osmond had one for pregnant women. Yeah, was the '90s the the like rise of the fitness object? Yeah, like the yeah, thigh the Thigh Master, master Thigh Master, yeah. the Bowflex. That that was more than '90s. Yes, but it was very. It was like 1990. Like it just started then. And then there was like Debbie Reynolds has a workout tape. Sally Struthers had a workout tape. So many. There Make was that money and, while it's going. Get that, hey man, hey. It makes and also a lot of those were target. They were smart. They were targeting different audiences. Angela Lansbury's is obviously for older people, and Sally Swithers is about walking, and Marie Osmond's is about pregnant mothers. Estelle Getty had one. Hell yeah, yeah. I want to watch Estelle Getty's workout tape. I bet that's dope as fuck. But at the same time, as all these celebrities and mainstream entertainments cashing in. X, the the B movie market, the exploitation market, they're on the bandwagon too. There are so many nude workout tapes. You have no idea. We could have made an entire section at the video store for them. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, it it's kind of a logical conclusion. Yeah. Maybe not, yeah. Maybe not logical, but it's a conclusion. <laughs> it's an erotic conclusion. Yeah. There you go. And, an erotic conclusion. Yes. And Playboy had workout tapes, like they all did. And well, yeah. Leanna Quigley had a workout tape. Oh, really? Yes. Leanna Quigley's horror workout. Yes. I, that is mentioned on the new part of that In Search of Darkness documentary on Sutter. That I, I am writing that down. Yes. See, see works out with zombies. <laughs> That's that is awesome. Yes. Yes. So... So my point is, in this listing of all this stuff, there was a lot of fitness shit in the media, and I, you know, and it, it has to do with boomers wanting to stay healthy. It has to do with flash dance being popular and popularizing that fitness look. It has to do with MTV being popular and looks becoming more important in the media. Like it's just like a perfect storm of spandex. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if some of it had to do with well as well with the. The boomer generation also was it like the height of like office jobs, like not as much physical labor in your it's, jobs. There was that, and there's just you know we're this we're about the age these boomers were. And oh yeah, think, no, I I get it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, I I know. So, you know, as to the to the to the to the listeners at home, like I was born a big dude. Like when I was born, I weighed ten pounds, and I. As I talked about on this podcast, I I completely fucked up my leg when I was a baby, so I was never healthy. I am actually, chronic health problems aside, the healthiest I've ever been. (laughs) A lot of walking in Tokyo, so a lot of walking in Tokyo. When I moved to Tokyo, I lost about twenty five pounds. So, you know, I I was always joking in high school or in college, I was going to go the Frank Black route, just be big my whole life. 
and then lose a little bit of weight, and then everyone else gets bigger and I win. And it's kind of yeah. worked out. So I'm pretty proud of myself. But now, sim- similar no, thing like, happened um, to me in college because I was a nerd mm-hmm. and I wasn't big, but it's the first time I ever had to walk. <laughs> really? <laughs> like <laughs> college was big and I had to walk around to classes. I lost 15 pounds and everyone's like, I thought you were supposed to go the other way. I but don't know no, how you I could just... have lost weight because when I met you, you were a beanpole. Yeah, I lo- well, that's because I lost like 15 pounds that year. Oh, yeah, I met you sophomore year. So, yeah. Correct. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I it, that's I mean, we we figured it out. Like workouts got big because the biggest generation in history literally got bigger. <laughs> yeah. So they headed to the gym. And then of course, once like like with arcades, like with BMX bikes, once there's a trend, Hollywood smells blood and they want that money. And you start to get things to capitalize off of it. I think at first you had a lot more sports movies and a lot more movies that had like training in it. Like, um, you know, the Rocky stuff, obviously a big one is, have you ever heard of personal best? I don't think so. No, no, that's a Mariel Hemingway movie. It's about Olympic athletes. That's also another big thing. The Olympics were a big deal in the eighties because we boycotted the 1980 Olympics and then Russia boycotted the 1984 Olympics. It was a big Cold War dick-swinging contest. Big Cold War dick-swinging contest. I talk about that. I just recorded an episode about Jim Cotta. Okay, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And about how much that mattered. So there were a lot of movies like that, and people were starting to We're still putting them out. Like, Miracle wasn't that long ago, right? Yeah, well, that's... Yeah, I guess so. I mean, granted, it was based in that era, but people Mm -hmm. are still consuming those storylines. Yeah, people care about that. I mean, I'm in Tokyo right now, and everyone here is begging for the Olympics not to happen. It would not be a good idea. Yeah. Hollywood's starting to, to see this as a thing, and so they're like, we should probably make a movie about this. But before they even could do that, Rolling Stone was like, hey, we should write an article about this. So there's a man named Aaron Latham, or Latham. He's a was a pretty big journalist, uh, a magazine journalist at one point. He wrote for Rolling Stone... But before that, he wanted to be a screenwriter in the 70s. It didn't work out, so he became a journalist. And I, I'm just so fucking jealous at these 70s journalists who, well, I couldn't be a screenwriter, so I guess I'll go write for the Washington Post. <laughs> or Rolling Stone. <laughs> or Rolling Stone. Or, or, you know, a magazine that exists, unlike now. Like, you know, because I graduated from journalism in 2001. Yeah. Literally worst time in the world to do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I have some questions for you because you had some journalism stuff. Yeah, we'll get yeah, quite a bit. Yeah, I want to talk. I want to ask about the scenes at the beginning of that movie. But yeah. Oh man, yeah. So he's a writer for Rolling Stone and a few other magazines, and he wrote an article for another magazine about cowboy bars. <laughs> and <laughs> what? <laughs> yes. So so yeah, he he wrote an article called "Urban Cowboy: The New Saturday Night," and he's it's called "The New Saturday Night." Kind of as a direct response to Saturday Night Fever. 
Okay, I was wondering if that was the the connection there. <laughs> yes, and of course that was a huge uh, movie for you know who Travolta. Now I hate I hate Saturday Night Fever. I think that is God. I hate that. I hate that movie, and I think that kind of ruined me on Travolta to this day. I have never liked John Travolta, but yeah, there's a movie, there's an article in Esquire, Esquire, the Urban Cowboy, Saturday Night Fever, Country and Western Style, and that was. Apparently, a very big article, and Paramount bought the rights to it almost immediately. <laughs> to a to an article in okay, that happens a lot. I mean, Fast and Furious was an article. I had no idea that was the case. Yeah. So was Saturday Night Fever, although it was found out years later that it was all plagiarized and fake. But it still was an article. This does happen. It's a strange thing when it does, and usually when it does, the article is just basically an inspiration for the movie and they hire the writer to kind of help set it up and they get actual writers too in 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 many cases but so he wrote that article urban cowboy it becomes a movie with john travolta because the article based on the john travolta movie became a movie of john travolta (laughs) (laughs) and that was directed by a man named James Bridges. Now he was a writer and director mostly in the 70s. Like his first movie is in 1970. And he did some writing before then. He wrote uh, a Marlon Brando movie called The Appaloosa. And he wrote a really early sci-fi mo- a really early movie in the sci-fi computer takes over the world genre called Colossus, the Forbin Project, which if you like 70s sci-fi about giant computers, <laughs> I recommend I mean- that one. Yes. Yeah. But then after that, he made a few kind of, he made weird movies that got popular. He made The Baby Maker, which is a movie about a hippie surrogate mother and in 1970. And I, I all the reviews I found could basically be like, this movie's weird. Good acting. <laughs> well, that that's, I might that, that might carry over to anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Because then he did Paper Chase. That was a pretty decent movie it got um academy award nominees for uh, his screenplay and best supporting actor he made a movie called september 30th 1955 it's about james dean's death kind of a coming of age movie decent reviews then he made the china syndrome going back to jane fonda that movie was huge and because it came out right before three mile island happened <laughs> and it's about a nuclear meltdown <laughs> yeah, let's say, like i also came out right before that so <laughs> did too. you yeah, yeah, 1979. Yeah, I've never seen China Syndrome. I do want to see it. I think Wilfred Brimley's in that. So there you go. And it's supposed to be good. And it's, you know, total, I think, I, I do think that movie would not have been as popular if it wasn't Fussly Mile Island, <laughs> which is a strange but sentence. Yay? But yay? That, that's a, yeah. And then he made Urban Cowboy. With with Travolta, and that was another huge hit because you have to remember in the, in the late 1970s, John Travolta was probably the biggest, one of the biggest actors in Hollywood. Which is the strange to think about. So there was he started out with some small movies, then he's in then he's in Carrie, small role in Carrie, then then, then in a row, then Saturday Night Fever, Grease, and Urban Cowboy back to back to back. Have you seen any of those movies? You know, I don't. I think I have actually. Yeah, so I, mean, I know about Urban Cowboy, Cowboy, but I don't think I've ever seen them. Yeah, I'm more the, of like the horror trash era of things. Yeah, I know. In the, yeah, in the been, 80s, you, you know, you never know. You might have seen it on. TV. Oh, absolutely! Right, yeah. these are well-known movies, especially Grease. 
yeah, I guess I have seen Greece, but I thought, uh, yeah, that one seemed obvious. Sorry. Yeah. Greece, Greece is okay. Greece is fine. Like it is what it is. Like yeah, I no, said, it's, before, a, it's my mom really liked it, so I think that's why I saw that. Yeah, everyone's mom likes Greece. You know, um, although also Greece seems to have a weird connection to a ton of the movies we talk about, and that's weird. Well, because it was huge. You can you can tie a lot of things to Greece. You can tie you can you can you can connect Greece to like Harry Reams was supposed to be in Greece, the porn star. <laughs> so like. <laughs> It's like, man, that's a weird name. Okay, there we go. That's see, there you go. So yeah, you can tie Greece to all kinds of shit because it was so big. But Greece yeah. is fine. I've never seen Urban Cowboy because Travolta in a cowboy suit is, is cowboy outfit is the last thing I want to see. And Saturday Night Fever, I've already said I hate that movie. I absolutely hate it. It's it's a it's it's a bad movie. It's bad. I think I've only seen like references and parodies of it. And like we, I've talked about disco on this podcast and like how the like a common thread a lot a common p- idea people have now in 2021 is that homophobia killed disco and that oh yeah i've, I've seen your writings yeah, i am this. totally against that because what killed disco is it becoming straight white and boring <laughs> and that's <laughs> being night, taken over by the uh, by that by abba and the bgs you know anyway that's my 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 little my little rant hey but yeah hey you can have a soapbox it's your po- yeah, podcast that's damn straight but yeah so um, Jim Butch is an interesting guy because every interview, everything I read about him, actors loved him. You know Deborah Winger? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was in Urban Cowboy. And then she was an Oscar nominee twice, you know, then Terms of Endearment, huge movies. But she hated acting. And that's why you barely see her because there's no good roles for women. And she hated acting, so she quit. She came back to act the first time because he wanted her to come back. She made a movie with him called Mike's Murder in 84. That wasn't a hit, but she only did it because she liked him. She was like best friends with him. There's this, there's an article about him on Slash Film. Slash Film has an article that says perfect in oral history <laughs> <laughs> as a companion piece to how did this get made. But it's not really about perfect. It's about that director because I think they wanted to make it about perfect, but everyone was just so nice about the director they couldn't. <laughs> he he was also kind of closet kind of openly gay he had okay. the same partner for most of his life and then after he passed away this uh bridges passed away in the early 90s uh deborah winger was friends with his partner until he died she actually discovered his body Ugh. like when he passed away so like totally beloved guy seems like a really nice guy i don't want to talk bad about him because he made a bad movie like he seemed actors seemed to really like him and what he could bring out of actors. There's a movie he made after this called Bright Lights, Big City. It's a Michael J. Fox movie. And it didn't get good reviews. It was not a hit, but a lot of reviews would say this is Michael J. Fox's best performance. So huh. he, he apparently knew how to get stuff out of actors. And I would say for this movie, the acting is is good. Yeah, you know? totally. Yeah. Well, th- other than the lady who owns that first health club, like, <laughs> yeah, that. we'll get but, to that. We'll get to that. But I think overall the acting is good. He he is a good director, you know. And then going back to Aaron Latham, Aaron Latham wrote the article that became Urban Cowboy. So then Aaron Latham writes another article, <laughs> <laughs> an article about health clubs, and called "Looking for Mister Goodbody." It's literally the article in the movie. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a reference to Looking for Mr. Goodbar, a movie about single, the single scene with Diane Keaton that ends in murder. It's a, it's a weird movie. Um, <laughs> but he wrote that article, 
And that was immediately bought by a studio to make this movie. And then since he worked with, you know, this director, they brought him in and both of them worked with Travolta. So, hey, you got a movie. <laughs> That's. Yeah. Once you get, once, you know, movies take a long time to make until they don't. Like the hurry up and wait thing. And I would imagine once you get the same writer, same director, same actor in a, in a hit movie and they want to make another movie. You're going to make it really fast. Yeah, as long as you got your key, like your key uh, staff positions. Yeah. And if you're, if you got a crew you go with, mm-hmm. you just get contact those people and then they get the rest of the people. Yep, totally. It can totally. pretty quick. And the Looking for Mr. Goodbody article, I wanted to read it, but I can't find it online, which bums me out because that's really surprising and kind of sad for it might Rolling be Stone. Buried, Rolling Stone's website is garbage. So it might be buried somewhere, but. Well, maybe there's like one micro micro on some library somewhere. I mean, yeah, but I, I can't. I, it's hard to get library access in Japan. Okay, wait, hey, you got me. Yeah, I'll, I'll... you know, but the article is they, they talk about the article in the movie because the movie takes a weird stance with the story, which we'll get to. But the article is super sleazy. It's a it's it is about sex and single people and plastic surgery, and one-night stands, and to be honest, it sounds awesome. <laughs> and Yeah, I'm curious how accurate to the real thing it was, because the article in the, in the movie is pretty bad. Well, yeah, so that's the art. The article in the movie is that article. Is it the exact one? Okay. Pretty much, yeah. So, Ugh. Urban Cowboy is about the people in the article. Perfect is not about the people in the article. For this one, they took a really strange idea, and they're like, let's make it about him writing the article. <laughs> so, Which is an, it's a cool, cool idea. I think it's too of. much of an idea. I think because then, so like, in the movie, Travolta plays a character who's basically Latham. He plays a character named Adam Lawrence, who is basically Aaron Latham. He is a reporter for Rolling Stone magazine who is writing an article about somebody who was totally just DeLorean. Like, in the real world, DeLorean was at this time in trouble for a drug bust. In the movie, he's, in, he's interviewing somebody named McKenzie who is a computer manufacturer who's in trouble with the drug bust. <laughs> which, exactly. which, when the movie starts out, I'm like, okay, we, we have the A plot. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, this B plot is going on for a long time. And you realize, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. They they start with the B plot. Yeah, they start with the B plot because he's at a health club and he's he's at a club interviewing somebody for the story and he sees a health club and he's like, These hot people, they want they want a hot they're 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 hot. Yes, he sees people in the creepiest way possible. Yeah. It's just like it's like Mm, maybe okay sure stop, yes. maybe stop staring at these people yeah yeah maybe stop staring at these people there's and, a lot of that in this movie yeah 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 So yeah, Travolta is this reporter who's kind of shitty. He's not a very likable character. They established early on that his subjects don't like him because 
He goes out to eat. He's a reporter for Rolling Stone, and it actually is Rolling Stone. Like, the editor of Rolling Stone is in this movie. Oh, is that him? That is the actual editor for Rolling Stone. He does a pretty good job. Uh, he's, I mean, they changed his name. So that's Jan Wenner. He's the founder of Rolling Stone, actually, and the hmm. publisher. And he, his character in the movie is named Mark Roth. They did that because he does some things that he says he would never, ever do. Okay, gotcha. So, but not the things you'd think. <laughs> so he's basically playing himself. He's an interesting guy, too. He's kind of a sleazeball, also. Like, there's a lot of stories about him being kind of creepy and uh, hitting on male reporters and treating women like they don't exist kind of thing. He, he allegedly fired a writer for giving a bad review to a Hootie and the Blowfist album. <laughs> Which, what? What a weird... That's a weird hill to... Anyway. Well, okay. we were popular. But also, like, talking about movies based on articles, he was Hunter S. Thompson's editor-in-chief. Oh. So he was the editor-in-chief for Fear and Loathing, that heir of Hunter S. Thompson. And yeah. he was the editor-in-chief when Cameron Crowe started, so Almost Famous. Like, those, he's, the, he's the editor. He was the editor for Cameron Crowe when Cameron Crowe wrote the articles that became Almost Famous later. So he's also kind of a star fucker. <laughs> Which, well, okay. Does making this movie make a lot more sense now? Yeah, yeah. Because, like, in the movie, Rolling Stone kind of gets a bad, bad image. I think. Don't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the the concern about sex and and spicing things up, but it's when, like, yeah. there's a good story to be had, but they don't want the good story. They just want the, the like trashy one. Uh, yeah, I mean, I get they would pitch a trashy story, so I I get that to a certain extent. That's his defense, any, anyway. But when they go out to eat. At this, at another restaurant, Carly Carly Simon is there. Yeah, and Carly Simon sees Travolta, is mad about the article he wrote about her, and throws a Bloody Mary in his face. I'm assuming this happened in real life. Here's the really weird thing about though that didn't happen with Carly Simon. That did happen. I I know that uh, Jan Wenner hated Paul Simon. Okay, and so Paul Simon never got good coverage in Rolling Stone. But I don't think this actually happened. The weird thing about that scene, if was well, a lot of weird things, but if you watch that I'm, scene, mm-hmm. Travolta and Carly Simon are never on camera together. Oh yeah, that's that's not surprising. <laughs> so Carly Simon was so vain. No. Um but that's a weird scene. So like Travolta pitched this idea, well, he's he's waiting on the DeLorean wannabe story to go on. He's like, I have an idea for a health club. I'll go to LA because they're all airheads. <laughs> yeah, like there's there's a lot of just presuming really shitty opinions about people yeah. in this movie. Yeah, because the, the movie has it's really strange for a movie written by a reporter, because uh Latham also wrote the script with the director. But the director, Bridges, didn't like the media because for kind of justifiable reasons, he the media kept trying to kind of out him. Okay, yeah. That's and, a- and he, when he made a movie, that movie, Mike's Murder, it has a gay subplot in it, and that got a lot of bad coverage from media. So he kind of had a, a, just a, he's pissed off at the media. And Latham wanted to play into that, I guess. So that's why this movie treats the media so sleazy. Like, Travolta's character doesn't care about people. Like, no. He wants to write a good story, and he really doesn't care about the consequences. And that's kind of the big the big conflict because when he goes to LA, he meets Jesse Wilson, the Pied Piper of aerobics. 
which is a great title, really. That, make that a movie. And that's that's Jamie Lee Curtis. And this is one of Jamie Lee Curtis's first big mainstream films because before this, of course, she was the Scream Queen. Mm-hmm. You know, all the Halloween, Halloween, Halloween 2, The Fog, Terror Train, uh, Road Games. Am I missing any? I don't know, but there's some really good movies in there. Yeah, yeah, those are all, those are all pretty good, I think. I like Taylor Train. And then she made, she was in Perfect Stranger. No, no, she was in, um, what's that movie? Um, um, Trading Places. She was in Trading Places. Huge hit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And then she made a couple small movies before this. Love Letters and Grand View USA, which she got good reviews in, but they weren't huge. This was supposed to be her big break. Obviously, that didn't work out. <laughs> I would say her big break didn't come until Fish Called Wanda. Like her big mainstream, mm. super huge movie. You know? That movie's great and was huge. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm doing a little bit of thinking because I'm like, okay, Halloween was still pretty big when it came out, right? Like, I guess maybe that's why she well, got no, her initial you can start. Be, you can be popular and you can be not mainstream. Okay. You know, being in, a, being in one of the biggest horror movies of all time and being in a popular romantic comedy. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. That's not going to get you the same mainstream audience, you know? Yeah. Especially in the 70s. You got to think, like, in the 70s, like, one of the most one of the biggest movies in the 1970s was Texas Chainsaw Massacre in terms of box office, but that's not mainstream. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I will defer to you on like box office type stuff because like <laughs> those those still did pretty like they did really good box office numbers. Well, I mean, no, they did huge like, box office. But what I mean is they're not going to get the people the kind of it's just not mainstream. It's like it's like when when Slayer ha- make the top ten. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, like you're not gonna you're not gonna be like a household name. You're not gonna be a household name. The people who want to see it want to see it, but it's not gonna get you on Johnny Carson. Yeah, you know. Okay, yeah, that's my point. So Jamie Lee Curtis was very well known, but she was well still well known mostly for being a B movie scream queen, not as a leading lady in respectable Hollywood films. That didn't happen until later, and this movie didn't help her. (laughs) I think at the same time, this movie did not help Travolta. Like. We grew up, like, I knew who Travolta was as a kid because I'm strange. Did you know who Travolta was before Look Who's Talking? I think the, I mean, I think I heard, I guess, like, people referenced his, uh, but Saturday Night Fever, right? Like, yeah, that, yeah. Like, that's the only thing I think I knew wh- why he was existed, right? Like, is because of references or parodies of that film. Yeah, but he was a joke in the 80s. Like, because like the, when the 80s began, his career ended. He made Blowout, which is a great movie by uh, De Palma, which I like super highly recommend. Nobody saw it. And then he made the sequel to <laughs> Saturday Night Fever. Guess what it's what, called? S- you know? S- Sunday Night Fever? Like <laughs> No, Staying Alive. Oh, uh, okay, sure. Yeah. Directed by Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> Ooh, well, there, there, well, there's your problem. That movie was a bomb, but it did have a hit single by Frank Stallone. Um, it's a bad movie. It's actually great. It's terrible. And then he made another bomb romantic comedy, uh, Two of a Kind. He followed it up with this. This was a bomb. Then he made a movie called The Experts, which nobody has seen. That was a bomb. So that's literally every single movie he made throughout the entirety of the 80s was a bomb. <laughs> Yikes. Look Who's Talking was a huge, 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 huge hit. 
which, which is like a change in style of movie. Like that's like a family movie. It's a family movie, and I think it, that capitalized off having Bruce Willis's voice and Kirstie Alley at the height of Cheers. <laughs> I completely forgot that that was the voice. Yep. Yes. Okay. And then Luke, who's talking to, made a little bit of money, but then immediately nothing again. Like shout eyes of the angel and then that third look who's talking movie with the dogs <laughs> oh my god yes and so i think after it was funny because after pulp fiction came out and he was back i think he was tried much much harder to at the very least pick scripts that would be popular if not good so yeah okay he Got did some much wisdom. better in the 80s so but they're the, really the main actors in this but i i think the supporting characters are way more interesting because yeah yeah okay i didn't think about it but yeah totally yeah because those are the people in the article so in the movie the movie is about him wanting to write this expose on the fitness world and you know all slutty mcsluttisons and (laughs) yeah i don't know yeah if we want to get into a little bit of like the subjects of this Mm -hmm, i have some mm -hmm. opinions about it yeah, because so, like it really is just like this article that's just like we're gonna talk about how awful that like yeah people are going to these clubs to to hook up with people and and whatever the whole so like I said I haven't read the actual article yeah but I it feels pretty misogynistic in that like it's oh, all yeah. about like these slutty women doing these slutty women things and mm-hmm. it's like but the guys are th- like you don't what like the, yeah I feel like it's like this hit piece on the the women at yeah, so the article, and, the real yeah. article is more about the other people in the gym, and those people in the movie are played by Mary Lou Henner and Lorraine Newman. Mary Lou Henner was on Taxi, mm-hmm. and she's in a few movies. She uh, is a very, she's a, she's in real life, she's a huge health food nut, and has written several health books. So, and at her age, looks gorgeous, so good for her. <laughs> she's also a voice actress on the Batman TV shows, cartoons. Uh, Oh yeah, she was Veronica okay. Wheeland, and mm-hmm. very interesting. Though, but I, I'd be remiss without mentioning that Mary Lou Henner has hyperthymesia, which means she literally never forgets anything ever. Oh my god, that would be awful. I mean, so she has to wake up. And she can tell you anything about perfect. Oh, that yeah, like it sounds great, and see, that's like a that's like a monkey's paw sort of power right there. It's like a thing you wish for, and the genie's like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, you really want that, do you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Remember every embarrassing thing you've ever done? Well, you will. Yeah, yeah. But she plays like the super hot, super popular, super everything woman at this gym. And her best friend, played by Lovey Newman, is Linda. And Linda is a hot mess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Lovey Newman's a great actress. She was one of the original SNL cast members. Uh. She's in all kinds of stuff. She's in the Flintstones movie. She's in. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. She, her movie career is not so great, but she's very funny. And she had some health, like some, uh, I think, substance issues in the 80s that kind of sidelined her. But she's, she's 34 years sober, so good for her. Um, but her but character. Say, like, there's, you feel like the character in the movie has yeah, kind some of, of the yeah, same cause, problems. Because yeah. her character, like what? She wants to. What, what, what are the problems with Linda? Uh, well, she, uh, she's, I mean, her big problem, she has absolutely no self-confidence. Like, zero. Zero self-respect. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no one brings up that being the issue. They just instead want to put her down for the, like, 
what is exuded, you know, what comes from that. It's like, oh, well, you're a terrible person because you were trying to do these things to fix yourself instead of being like, let's 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 talk about. Do you things. remember her nickname in the movie? Uh, I mean, I do. I don't really want to. I'd prefer not to say it. <laughs> I'm going to say it like I'm not condoning it, but in the movie, they call her the most used piece of equipment in the gym. Which gets put into that article, which I'm assuming if that's a reference to the thing, like it was something that was maybe in the original ar- article. Like, yeah, I think it was. Yeah. That's just gross, man. Like, you know, and like, I don't, so I used to be kind of a reporter. <laughs> I've, I've written for some magazines and I've never anything as in-depth as this, but I did write a few, you know, profiles on musicians and it's always a delicate balance. What do you say? What do you don't say? You know, yeah, but like that's a music, like someone exactly. in the public spotlight. This exactly. is not just so, a person at a gym. I feel like if if this article was written today, now he's a reporter. People are saying this about this person. So, I feel as long as you don't, if if you keep it vague enough, so you don't know who these people are, that's not a problem. But their photos are in the magazine. Yeah. They're just regular right. people. And that's the actual article that was in Rolling Stone. And apparently, yeah. like the real life people who were in the article are in this movie. What a weird movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause like I, I they must not have been too taken aback by it, I guess. I don't know. Or, you know, I don't know. Like, yeah, there's definitely parts of this movie where I'm like, ugh. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tra- Travolta's character is just just a Jackass. Travolta's character has real issues with consent. Yeah. Because, you know, he follows Jamie Lee Curtis around all the time to get an interview. He basically badgers her into one under false pretenses. Yep. You know, then later on, she finds out the article he's really writing, deletes it off the hard drive, which I thought was pretty funny. (laughs) Yeah. Well, um, I got hey, real quick, uh, a quick aside about the he carries around like an old like old 80s laptop. Yeah, he does. It, it, it's refreshing to see a piece of computer equipment that like is the actual thing. Yeah. Like there's no like, oh, we're going to or like it, it's like, wow, that looks like a crappy old laptop and an old road processor. This is kind of refreshing. And Sorry, someone one, who works in tech, it's kind of neat. Yeah. And at one point Jimmy Lee Curtis writes want to fuck on it. Yeah, <laughs> which is just their relationship is inconceivable it's inconceivable no chemistry whatsoever in on screen it's like why do they care about each other at all and i think the while bridges is a good director i think with the material he has his direction between them is weird there's a lot of close-ups yeah Yeah. and And like yeah it starts with like there's like when that scene hits mm-hmm. with the like wanna fuck <laughs> typed out on the computer. Yes, yes. It's like why what what about him got this to happen? Like, is it just his looks? Because you know, it's Travolta. He's it's the 80s, man. I guess it's just like, <laughs> where did that come from? Like, <laughs> I go from not trusting you to being like, hey, let's let's hit the hay. I think at the time it was I think her proposition is more of a one-night stand. <laughs> which which should we keep going into like because it has to get interrupted? It has to get because I don't want to. We have another movie to talk about, so I don't want to go crazy. But yeah, it goes back and forth. And like the funniest part about the whole thing, though, is mm-hmm. it gets interrupted. And like this dude flies like twelve times in the movie, and like he 
he comes back for this booty call from New York. Yeah, man. hey, like, man. Damn, you can't find a booty call in New York? Hey, you can't, fly across you the whole can't find 1984 Jamie Lee Curtis. I mean, fair enough, but like, <laughs> holy crap, dude. Like, Make me like it's something. The most memorable thing about the film, probably from a modern standpoint, are the workout sequences. Yeah, the the, the four and a half minute long Travolta uh, one, which literally I I I, I did timestamps. Wow. Yeah. Oh wow. I hit paper. <laughs> yeah. No, it was from forty one twenty in the movie to forty five forty. That one, the post, the post, the post coitus workout scene. Yeah, where like they're like, "Hey, I'll do this your aerobics thing if you if if we go out on a lunch or something like that." That's mm-hmm. why he said he'd do it. Mm-hmm. It literally went on with a piece of music for four and a half minutes in the middle of the movie. Well, that's the MTV influence, I bet. I, I guess you know, get the get the music video types thing in there. But like the 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 aerobic scenes are so so sexual. Yeah, like overly so, and oddly, like the things you would see in maybe like the other movie we're going to talk about. Yeah. It was weird seeing them in this like dramatic movie. Was- <laughs> yes, yes. And just a lot of thrusting, a lot of thrusting. That's all it was. Like, there's other things to aerobics, and like, it was just John Travolta thrusting his crotch for like <laughs> most of that four and a half minutes. Now, granted, people won't be into that. That's fine. It Not seemed, me. I know it was a. There was a point in which it was like, okay, you're going a little bit more that, along with this. The the dude, the her roommate, that Rod's adultery looking motherfucker with the big yeah. hair. <laughs> like, dude is awesome. I want to see him thrust for five minutes. Thank you. Him in that scene where they're doing the William Tell overture over at the end. It was <laughs> that was like, amazing. What, what, like, that was like entertaining, but like it didn't fit in the movie at all. It's like this weird, goofy, like Scooby-Doo chase yeah, yeah. in the middle of this movie. Where, where Travolta goes into a woman's locker room. Yeah, like completely fine. Like, dude, what are you doing? Like, yeah. None of, uh. yeah, he's like a piece of bastard. Like, his character's a bastard. And of course, they have a happy ending where they fall in love because whatever. But, like, and yeah. <sighs> and but the things about Rolling Stone that are weird in this movie is that, like, so after she gets mad at him, he rewrites the article to be more even handed. But what happens? Uh, it gets thrown out and rewritten by his editor. Yeah, against his permission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you asked me if would that happen? Yeah, I, I, would that happen? I mean, I guess maybe it's a really bad editor, but well, if so, well, I guess here's the question I have: really, <laughs> mm-hmm. not that would it get rewritten? Because that I can believe. Would they rewrite it and still put the original authors on it? If he got paid, yes. Oh, okay. Now, what would probably happen in a realistic situation is they would rewrite it and add more writers to the byline. Okay. And they don't need his permission, especially you know. If he pitched them, like I, and that's why Jan, the editor of Rolling Stone, he didn't have a problem with what his character does in the movie, actually, because he said, "Well, Travolta's character pitched me Article A. He gave me Article B. Article right. B is not a cover story." Uh, yeah, the, the thing I thought was the weirdest part was just like slapping his name still on it. Yeah, like, yeah, that's, that's strange. That's I don't strange. know. Maybe he's a, he's a staff writer. Who knows? I mean, 
magazines don't have staff writers anymore, so what the fuck do I know? But <laughs> right, wouldn't you just put like by staff? You know, no, you wouldn't like do that, that for a long song magazine. No, you had you need to byline. You yeah. can't get okay, away with speak, that. Speak, so we're talking about uh, real quick. We're talking about writing mm-hmm. and like journalism. The beginning of this movie shows him like before he was in Rolling Stone. Uh huh. Like where where they literally lead up to like the title sequence with like saying the the title of the movie, which was cheesy as hell. Yeah, they, they, but they, he's they, like perfect a lot in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, they kept saying perfect, but uh, he he's like at a newspaper somewhere. Mm-hmm. And he's an ob- obit writer. Yeah did did a newspaper really have a single person who was an obit? Oh writer? yeah, oh yeah. When I was when I was studying to be a journalist at Bowling Green in the nineties, they tell you when you start working, if you get a job at a newspaper, that's your first job. Wow, th- there was that was a different time, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, and you, you can uh, have be- someone on staff to do just that. Yeah, because. It's a good way to make sure you don't make any fucking mistakes. Uh, fair enough, but like, yeah. man, talk about having the money to be able to be like, yeah, we we pay this guy wage to write obits. Well, some, I feel like yeah. they would all be like computer written nowadays. No, 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 and I and I still think they try hard. You know, you don't want to fuck up an obit. So I don't know how it is these days, but no, that, like every newspaper, every journalist professor I ever had wrote obits. Wow, okay, and I actually had to learn how to write them. Because I find that a fascinating fact. I mean, it's a good way to learn how to get stuff right, be objective, and concise. So, no, that's that. That is accurate. I would not be surprised if um, Latham actually started out as an obit writer. Yeah, today I learned. Yeah, there you go. I I'm glad my journalism my paid off. Oh yeah, totally, totally. That's why I make all my money. No, but (laughs) you've done you've done really good. uh, You know reviews and articles for places like, well thank you very much don't sell yourself short well oh, that's nice i don't do anything short but um <laughs> exercise is good for you exercise is good for you Journalism has paid off for me to a certain extent. This movie did not pay off for anybody. This movie was huge bomb. Came out in 85, June of 85. Opened in fifth place with $4 million, Grossed Ooh. about uh, $12 million on a $20 million budget. <laughs> okay. I'm surprised the budget was that low, actually. So Yeah. It, $20, million, $20 million for back then is quite a bit of money. Yeah. 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 For a movie of no effects. I feel like I was just like I was looking at this movie. And it's got like Rolling Stone layered over it. It's I feel like it it has the like trappings of a higher budget kind of thing with like yeah. names and yeah uh, felt it felt like it should have been better than it was. I guess yeah and yeah that was a common critical thing. Uh, I do want to point out really quick that this this movie opened the same week as Goonies. <laughs> Where did Goonies land? Goonies opened at number two with nine million. Number okay. one was Rambo two. Okay. So just okay. really quick, I always find these interesting to break down the old top tens. Number one in its third week, Rambo. Number two, mm-hmm. first week, Goonies. Number three, Fletch in its second week. Number oh four, View to a Kill in its third week. Then Perfect at number five. Then Brewster's Millions, good movie, yeah. in its third week with 3.7 million. Then in its 27th week. Hold on, let's see if I can guess. What, so this is 1985. 85. 
27 weeks, so half a year. Oh, close Encounters? Mm-mm, mm-mm. No, that would it's make 70s, more money. 70s. Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, not Indiana Jones. This movie held the record for the longest in the, in the number one spot until Titanic. E.T.? Nope. <sighs> yeah, E.T. would have been... Uh, Earlier. I don't know. Okay, you, you, go ahead and tell me. Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, okay. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Can't understate how huge that was. So 27th yeah. week, number seven. Number eight in its 18th week, Witness. Number nine in its 11th week, Police Academy 2. Oh, <laughs> and so let's go, go number, back to joysticks there. Number 10, also in its 11th week, Desperately Seeking Susan. What everyone says is the only good Madonna film, but that movie sucks ass. So yeah, not a strong competition, and it still didn't do great. You know, yeah, you don't want to be beat up by Fletch. <laughs> Maybe you into that thing. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but it was funny. All the reviews, almost all the reviews say the same thing. Of course, almost every review has some variation of the line, perfect is anything but. Sure. Or I mean, imperfect is perfect is imperfect. That seems but, lazy, but okay, it's there. Well, it's before you could Google to see if anyone else had the same line. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just that low-hanging fruit. You it know is low-hanging that. fruit. Yes, yes. Hey, man, but it's called perfect. It's hard not to. And yeah. all of them say the same thing, really. Good acting, mm-hmm. interesting yeah. direction, sure. too much is going on, and Absolutely. the things you care about are not the focus. Yep. yep. That's, uh, you know, that's, that is exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. And Ebert, Siskel and Ebert both wanted to like it. Like, Siskel gave it two yeah. and a half stars. They both gave it a thumbs down. And right. they were like, there's a good movie here. It didn't get made. So it's just a weird movie. Yeah, yeah. And like it became forgotten so quickly. Like when I saw it on Amazon, I was so happy it existed. It was on the high desk trend. I would love to see a remake of this, but remake the article. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, the article's trashy and gross, but it's a better movie. Yeah, like, lean into that? Like, yeah. you know, I don't know. I think the best scene in a movie outside of the awesome aerobics is that party sequence. Sure. Where, yeah, like, uh, it's, it's showing kind of like, I don't know, the, the people that were at the gym. Like, it's, just people it, seem like they're nice. They like each other. Like, yeah. they seem like good people. <laughs> yeah. But it just shows how kind of weird their life is, too. Like, the, the sad character, Linda, you know? Yeah. Like, but that kind of person exists all over the place. Yeah, right? totally, it's like, totally. It's not like, oh, it's because of this gym. Like, no, like, that person is just a, like, they're, those people exist, man. Like, yeah. Yeah. But, oh, well. But what could have been? You never know. I think the only th- legacy this film has. <laughs> in pop culture is the video for Eric Pride's Call On Me. (laughs) So I made you watch that video before we did this recording. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, and that is totally, totally just this movie. (laughs) Yeah. Like, complete with the one guy in the gym, the same moves. Like Just just a lot of hip thrusting. A lot of hip thrusting. Ministry of Sound made an entire workout video based on that that video. (laughs) Nice. That is on YouTube. (laughs) that you can watch for free now. So you talk about pervs watching workout videos. There you go. <laughs> watch the video for call on me. Call on me. Good song. Yeah, absolutely. Good Steve Winwood sample, you know, 
I, th- I think we'll use that sample to segue into the other film today. So, <laughs> real quick, I do want to ask one quick thing about this movie. Yes, because I want to see if you also caught on to this. Okay, the one thing I took away from it was like all the stuff we talked, the actual stuff. But there was one like it kept, it felt a little George Lucasy in that like they kept throwing stuff into scenes that was distracting, and it was like why? Wh- what do you mean? Why? Okay, S- movie starts uh-huh. with Christmas music. Yeah, like first thing you hear and it's mm-hmm. like why no idea like this has nothing to do with because it because then, 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 then you don't have to have a title card that says christmas sure and then <laughs> they there was a there when you first meet jamie lee Curtis's mother's character uh-huh. she's carrying around a plate of something and they keep talking oh, about divinity yeah i had to stop the movie and look that up <laughs> i did too and i'm like why is they keep being mentioned they mention it mention it and it's a plot and like there's no reason it's, it's distracting it's weird and weirdly specific. Yeah, when they yeah. go to a hotel, they make it a point that a bunch of Boy George fans yeah. showed up and they're that there. And it's really like, weird. And they they it's there and it's like, why is this here? It never comes up. It's like a bunch of Chekhov's guns that are never like, nope, that's not important ever. I, I think, you know, there, I haven't. There's one the, last one. Okay, there yeah. was one where they call up and the people are at a party and they make it a point that they're like making nitrogen ice cream. <laughs> And it's like dead center. They're doing a weird thing. It's hard not to pay attention to it. And they say, yeah, we're making nitrogen ice cream for no reason. Sorry. I needed to bring this up because they were so weird. I think that's a stylistic choice to make the world seem like it's lived in. (laughs) I guess it was just strange. More three dimensional, I guess. And it is, yeah, the nitrogen ice cream really got me. There's no reason for them to do that. Maybe, maybe, maybe those are all the editor and T's friends. (laughs) <laughs> like, like, was that a thing movie? in the eighties? Did people make nitrogen? I don't remember that. Hey man, yuppies! I guess like we weren't, we weren't, we were, we were five. Why did they talk about divinity so much? It was so strange. Yeah, divinities. In case anyone is wondering, divinity is a nougat-like confection made with egg, white corn syrup, and sugar. Yeah, it's like a meringue. It's like yeah, a- yeah. And apparently, Jamie Lee Curtis's character's mom fucking loves them. <laughs> yeah, and she makes really good ones. Apparently, that yeah, they talk about. Well, that's just that's just everything about the movie is too much. There's too much story. There's too much backstory. There's a whole subplot with Timothy Curtis's ex-coach slash lover. There's like, well, at least that's plot relevant. Yeah, it is to a certain extent, but it's still there's, there's so much going on, and I guess the excess even kind of goes off into the set design. So, okay. yeah. Anyway, sorry, I didn't want to. I didn't want to derail, but the, those were gnawing at me the whole. Yeah, you're movie right. You're I, right. Yeah. And now, call on me. So. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we spent a long time talking about Perfect, but there was another movie that came out around the same time that also tried to capitalize on the 80s aerobics tip. And this was one that you want to talk about. What is this movie? Yeah, this is Killer Workout, otherwise known as Aerobicide. It's one of those Aerobicide, classic, like... better name for a movie. It is. And it is a song with that title. In yeah, 1987 thing. movie. Yeah, Killer Workout. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, it's yeah, it's a movie. It's a slasher. It's a it's it's a kind of a classic '80s slasher, but taking place within a 
aerobics studios. It's a gym, but like the aerobics are the focus of the whole thing. Oh yeah, because aerobics are sexy. So I mean, honestly, the aerobics in Killer Workout seem way more realistic to me. With like, <laughs> yeah. they're they're not all exactly in sync because the the aerobics in uh, Perfect were. I'm sorry to do this. They were a little too perfect. Like yeah. it was obvious everyone was like a professional dancer. Yeah. And this, it's like, oh no, people are a little out of sync, and everyone knows what they're doing, and they're, the instructor's actually kind of instructing, and like, yeah, yeah, and it was made in a real gym. Well, so was, well, so was Perfect. Perfect was filmed in that gym, yeah. so they're both using real gyms. But yeah, uh, I would say Killer Workout, much smaller budget. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> five dollars. Uh, it's made by a dude named David A. Pryor, who was uh, just like a B movie like psychopath. Made eight. He passed away in 2015. He made. He made like 30 movies. Half of them with his brother. Yeah. And this is like his second film. His first was Sledgehammer. Have you seen Sledgehammer? I I, I don't think I have. It sounds familiar. It's one of those it things is. where I was like, did I see the the VHS box? Did I see it when I was in high school? I don't I have seen Sledgehammer. That was shot on videotape. Yeah. No, I've seen some lots of shot on videotape stuff. They're usually the, bad. The, yeah. I mean, yeah. You, you know the one that I know I speak of the most. Cannibal Farm? Splatter Farm? Splatter, I'm sorry, I got the wrong farm. Yeah, that's a that's a movie. No, it's not. It's it's a thing. Yeah, we'll talk maybe someday. <laughs> someday, but, but maybe not. That's But I, I do love you look at the names of his movies, man. He's on a bent. You got Kill Zone, Killer Workout, Deadly Prey, Man Killers, Death Chase, Operation War Zone, Rapid Fire, Future Force, Born Killer, Future Zone, Invasion Force. Lock and load, raw nerve, y- you know. I think a fair amount of them are like sequels to other ones too, like like a future yeah. force and future, and like oh, his the, brother. The ones. Yeah, what's his name? His brother, um, uh, Ted Pryor, mm-hmm. who's in this movie as Chuck Dawson. He's in almost all these films. Yeah, and he's a big muscle dude. Yeah, he's not. It, yeah, that's he was a Chippendale dancer, I believe. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> we, we forgot about that. So connection to perfect. Perfect also had Chippendale dancers. Oh yeah, that weird scene where they where he stood behind that weird door for well, some reason. Men aren't allowed in Chippendale's clubs. Oh, but they can stand very behind. No, okay, sure. He's a reporter, so they'll have to let him do that. But no, uh, Chippendales didn't allow men in their clubs. I did not know that because they didn't want it to be a gay thing. Oh, yeah, I see. I get it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we had our own clubs. <laughs> get all right, sure. They wanted to make it a thing for women. You know, so I don't I think get it's that. As, I don't think it's as homophobic as just like business. I I don't I don't have a I don't have a problem with that. That's we you know Fair. we have our own places. We don't need to go to Chippendales. I don't want to go back to Perfect. Sorry. I, 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 no, it's fine. But yeah, David A. Pryor was like he did all these kind of movies. But I skimmed a couple other ones. They don't look very good. Like, but this that's the kind that is my wheelhouse. Those kinds. Yeah. Of things. <laughs> he. He's a B grade Andy Sedaris to me. He he likes the tits and the action, but he can't. He doesn't know how to set it up. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. They're not. They're not good movies, but like they're not. They're not boring. Like the, the killer work. I've seen a lot of slasher films. Yeah, you have. And this one at least has something going right. Like also, there is a fair amount of the actual like aerobic stuff going on in it. Yeah. And yeah, but like you know, there's like as far as body count, there's like a a ten count in this movie, which for a slasher yeah. is respectable. Yeah, there's a lot about. I think I wish the kills were more workout focused. Yes, true. Just, the killer has a giant bobby pin. You, for some pin. reason, in fact, I believe uh, in the one that one article, like they they interviewed, it was like literally what like the bobby pin was because 
I think it was Ted. It was like saw it on a necklace somewhere. Like, oh, hey, there's a bobby, a giant bobby pin. Like, yeah, that's what's in the movie now. <laughs> yeah, one person gets killed off weights. Yeah, and that's that's the extent of the workout workout oh, like, related. K- kind of, it's like kind of knock yeah, them yeah. out and then smash them. Like, yeah. yeah, but I what I what I thought was interesting about the crew of this was the producer. So mm-hmm. this is produced by the Winters Group, which is uh, David Winters, and this dude had a career. <laughs> <laughs> he was a choreographer and a dancer. He did. He was in West Side Story. Yep. He's, this, yeah. Keep. There's more. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. The, the state, original stage production and the movie. Mm-hmm. He was in um, the Naked City, which is a big TV show from the fifties. He directed a horror movie called The Last Horror Film. He directed Thrashing, which is the James Brolin skateboard movie. Yeah. My my I think the most interesting production credits by David Winters are the ones before he worked with Ted Pryor because he produced the Fifth Dimension Traveling Sunshine show. And I don't know what that is, but it's fun to say. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I want to see it after hearing yeah, that. I imagine it's based on the band Fifth Dimension. He also produced Raquel Welch's 1970 TV special, Raquel. Yeah, just, just go, Raquel! Raquel! <laughs> and he produced a Linda Lovelace movie called Linda Lovelace for a President. That's a star of Deep Throat. And he was married to her. That's a that's a weird one right there. Yeah. He also was a choreographer. He did choreography for the Barbara Streisand version of A Star is Born. The, uh, these get better and better. Uh, I was very happy. He did choreography for Semi No Flowers, a Doris Day film, because I love Doris Day. Yeah, you are a... Um big Doris Day fan now. That's, yeah. Yup. Yeah, so many so many self-deprecating gay jokes. Let's move on. He did the choreography for Viva Las Vegas, the good Elvis movie. And he did the choreography for the Star Wars holiday special. <laughs> what a credit to have right there in your yes. pocket. So, uh, David Winters sounds like he led a very interesting life. <laughs> It's just I, a joyful life. I hope so. I hope he was happy. Yeah, me too. That would be really sad if you found out he was miserable through all of that. Yeah, it would be a real bummer. But I don't know how he got hooked up with Pryor, but like he was they were ride or die forever together, man. They made all the movie all they they produced he produced all of David A. Pryor's films. Maybe somebody was somebody else's Coke dealer or something. Like Or or they made him money. Yeah, that's true. They must have made them money. They were cheap to make. Turned enough high school profit. friends, maybe. Who, I don't. Who, who the hell knows? But yeah, there's a story there somewhere. But is there anybody you 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 are I looking at the cast of this? It's almost everybody's only in David Pryor films. Yeah, this looks like this cast is not. <laughs> yeah, and like honestly, the funny part is I think the one that's been in the most stuff because of his brother was Ted. Yeah yeah it's kind of like the Raimi anyway yeah yeah kind of yeah but not as good um the main woman uh Marcia Carr she was in some stuff she plays Rhonda also every time they say Rhonda I start saying help me Rhonda and I'm a (laughs) bad person um she's not gonna help you no she was in Chained Heat she was in Savage Streets she was had a small part in Real Genius and Maniac Cop a movie called Night of the Kick Fighters which I think (laughs) <laughs> great name for a film See, these and are all movies i want to, well i've seen maniac cop but i i, like, I own maniac cop yeah. <laughs> um and she was in a hard bodies credited role hard body on stairs which i think is a good role to have but like hey, it's better any, to be on the stairs than like 
not on the stairs. Well, I guess. under the stairs, diff- different movie. Oh um, yeah, no, yeah. But like, yeah, the 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 David Campbell's the lieutenant. He's in a million David A. Pryor films. Uh, Fritz Matthews is Jimmy. He's in a million David A. Pryor. I can say that for everybody here. And I feel like uh, he knows these people through his brother, because like, yeah. Well, maybe not the 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 um, uh, what's his name? The the cop. The, the but like David, Jimmy yeah. is big. He's a big dude, and it's like, well, his brother the bodybuilder is probably how he knows that guy yeah yeah who knows but in a very 80s credit there's a character named jamie so he's played by someone named Teresa vanderroad well, i don't know how to say that so he was miss san bernardino 1982 <laughs> yep yeah <laughs> i hope i feel like all the women in this movie could have been in the decline of Western Civilization Part Two, the heavy metal documentary, they all mm-hmm. just—they all look like groupies for Faster Pussycat concerts. Yeah, and they—I mean, they're not like bad in, no. when it comes to like what's going on in a, a cheap slasher film. Yeah, they get the job done. I mean, it's the, the fights. The, yeah, what fights are good? The fight. Okay, <laughs> so the- I have an—I have an opinion about this. If you okay, if, go ahead. You what's me- your opinion? So okay, he—he he talks a little about it in an interview. But like, there is some something to be said about the fact that he he films fights with people actually swinging. Yeah, uh, there are connections. The fights look awkward, but like oh, yeah. awkward in a real way. And it's not it's not like oh they're they're pulling their punches. It's like awkward and like when you see a couple drunk guys at a bar actually start fighting outside. It's like mm, that's a weird looking fight, but that's what it looks like. They look like real punches at a plant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're strange, that, and they're directed strange, and yeah, it's like somebody learned how to do something in a way that they thought would work, completely removed from any other knowledge. Yeah, like there's not the old like let's let's swing and cut and like you know add the sound effect like what she talks about, but like it is kind of weird because some of the sound effects even sound kind of realistic. I mean, yeah, not yeah. all of them, but it's like weird. It's like nope, it sounds like you're just hit hitting that guy. Yeah, and I do like I watched a little bit of Deadly Prey, and the fights in that, like uh, the other, his brother, he's a big dude, and you know he knows how to fight, but he's also a dancer, so I think, so yeah, Ted Pryor was a dancer, so he knows how to choreograph, but it's just everything around it is so stiff. Yeah, yeah, it's a you know not a lot of acting chops going on. No, yeah, and. Not a lot of any chops. Like this movie was made to make money. Like no other reason. The um the producer was like, "Hey, we should make a movie about um about about gyms. Can you do that?" And he's like, "Yeah. Can you make it cheap? Can I?" Yeah, it's like <laughs> and can do, sir. Can, can do. do. They, like I said, they filmed it at a health club when it was closed. Yeah, three weeks. And, yeah, the story it has it's, it's barely a story. Like I I I mean I guess we. There's not much to say about it. Like somebody's killing people at a gym, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, it, well, the, the the whole the whole like crux of the film is like you're there's all these you know red herrings about who's actually doing it. Yeah, and it's pretty obvious who's actually doing it. Yes, yes, and I'm going to spoil it now in case. So spoilers yeah. for Killer Workout. If it's you Ronda. really care about spoilers, it's Rhonda. For... It's Rhonda. It's Rhonda. Yes. It's Rhonda. And why is Rhonda the killer? Oh, would you like me to uh, elaborate yes, please, on this? Please deep, do, because it's fucking, it's fucking deep. Because it starts. This is the very first scene in the movie. Yeah, yeah, it's very first. Yeah, tell very first scene in the movie. You don't see this person's face, but what happens to her? Uh, this uh, this well, okay. 
It's not just what happens to her. Uh-huh. She's, this movie starts off with a with a woman walking into her kitchen. She's listening to the messages on her uh, her answering machine. Yep. There's a there's a, an unimportant one that they decided to put in there, and then she finds out that she's like getting a big modeling gig, like in Cosmo. Yeah, she's going to get filmed, I believe, in France or something. In, yeah, it's a big Cosmo, deal. and she's like excited, and then she goes to go to her tanning bed, <laughs> and the tanning bed. Because this is how tanning beds work, but it's not at all. It catches on fire, like explodes on her. Yeah. Like literal flames and like pyrotechnics going yeah. on this thing. Yeah. And then it, then that's the end of that scene. You don't find out until way later that was Rhonda. Rhonda has been terribly scarred by this, although not her face, just the rest of her. And she wears a wig. And when she takes her top off, it looks like someone smeared oatmeal on her boobs. Yeah, it's it's not good burn effects. No, it's, it's just not. Paper mache attached to a person. Yeah, and why is he killing everyone? Uh, she's jealous. So that why they're not a, that way? So why open a gym? Because that's what she knows. Is my guess? I, Does <laughs> you yeah, know? It's. Yeah. I feel like the problem with like the there's a delineation point with me for slashers. Like you have, and this is under that point in which there's no story, really. The, the, the story came second, the kills came first. Oh, the, absolutely, yeah. And, I mean, that's true for most slashers, but, like, you, you compare it to, like, a big, not like a, you know, a bigger slasher, anywhere from Friday the 13th down to, like, I don't know, fucking Wishmaster. Um, <laughs> or, Fantasm there. Or fan, yeah, fan, yeah, anything. There is, like, somebody at some point cared about a story. Maybe not a lot, but a little bit. This movie, no. Like, I mean, it 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 tries to throw in some like curve. They're trying a little bit, very little bit, very like you know the little like oh we're gonna throw you a curveball about who actually did you know? Yeah, I guess. And like it has like she she's able to frame somebody because she has a stalker. Yeah, and, that's. I mean, that's kind of a weird take and a like that's somewhat unique. That, for that is, the genre. yeah. Well, the and she gets away with it, you know. Right. That that's a, that's a weird take too, and the idea that the policeman's gonna just murder her to is, explain, yeah, to explain yeah. the whole like the stalker thing. It's like there's this there's just re- this real a hole character throughout the whole movie that like goes around and hits on people, but he really like hits on Rhonda a lot. Yeah, and you find out at the end that he has a thing for her because. The other, like one of the other guys who's like looking into this, like breaks into his house and he's got like photos of her everywhere, and it's like yeah. really, really pretty creepy. Yeah. Also, so, like, that oh, same house, him. That, that same house is in Deadly Party. Oh yeah, well that makes With sense. Those same curtains. I'm pretty sure that's just Ted A. Pryor's house. Oh, probably, absolutely. Yeah. Save yeah. money where you can, man. Yeah, it's like Annie Milligan. Annie Milligan always filmed in his own, his own house. You don't have to pay anyone for it. So I'll pay anyone for it. Yeah, yeah. It, that's a cool idea, I guess. Like it's because I mean, the, it's not it, well, well, but it's like there. The like, idea that the red herring is also a bad guy is yeah. kind of interesting. You know, he does kill somebody. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's an a hole. Like yeah. It's it's not just like oh he might. It's like no, the dude actually does kill somebody in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. I wish, the, like I said, I wish the kills were better. And I wish the kill. The, so the weapon being the diaper pin is like, feels very like giallo or something. Like it feels very, it really like, does. You're right. Yeah. It's very, that's a good point. It's very giallo. Yeah. Good call, Matt. 
It's like this weird, I'm going to use this weird, very symbolic object to kill you with, but there's never any reasoning for it. It'd be nice yeah. if there was like something, it was like, it'd be nice if it was fancier or like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? But it, it, there's that, and like you said, this, this movie has a few titles and one of them is Aerobicide, which A, better title. Yeah. And, but, B, and it's like, it is the name of a song in it. They like get spray painted onto the gym at one point randomly yeah, for some yeah. reason. And I, I wish that it had more, I, I guess you can't really aerobic someone to death unless it's, you know, a tragedy. But <laughs> I, I mean, wish, yeah, you know, there's I would, some people there's, it's like, go ahead and aerobics me to death. That sounds maybe like it could be fun while I'm dying. Yeah. I think some, I think if it was like, a more well-made movie, there would definitely be somebody would be killed in a tanning bed and a Freddy Krueger type character would say, feel the burn. <laughs> or, or he could strangle someone and say, don't forget to breathe. So that's what, yeah. what, what sure. do, and don't forget to breathe. That's like the thing that they say. Yeah. So stuff like that. I think one of the final destination films has a better weightlifting death. That one oh guy well, gets, I mean, there's there's such a yeah. good ways you can do that, and they don't do any of that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it shows up in other yeah, in other yeah and stuff. You know, the 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 tagline for the film was "This workout will kill you," which <laughs> is, it's hey, pretty lazy. Happen. And the movie's called Killer Workout. That's like that's like right up there with the the tagline for the class the Titans remake was "Titans will clash." So the question I have about that uh, though is. Yeah. So it says like the tagline is the workout will kill you and like it's called killer workout, but like the actual title title card does say aerobicide. Well, that's the video that's on Amazon. So who knows? Right. So like, I wonder if like maybe that wasn't the title at one point, And so like the tagline, maybe, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? Oh, I'm trying who to knows? give them a benefit of a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Like we, there's no, it's hard to find when this movie was released on video, it was advertised as killer workout. I know that much because I found old video store ads. Okay. And they all say killer workout. Okay. Yeah. And I found a review. <laughs> one of you found the one. I found a contemporaneous review. There were a lot of retroactive reviews on this, and who cares about those? I mean, that, that was like yeah, not a dunking movie. on it to dunk on it, which is fine. But this movie came out in April in '87, priced to rent at seventy nine ninety five, as all new releases were back then. I'm going to read the entire review. This is by <laughs> Paul. Tobliab or Tobliab from the Copley News Service. This is a whole review. The title promised a spoof of Jane Fonda and her sweat to your set exercise routines. That's a very entertaining idea, but no such luck. This is a slasher suspense film with plenty of jiggle, but no giggle. <laughs> it's mainly about the eviscoration of overly endowed bimbos and warm-up suits by a demented party who likes to slit throats, hang cute girls, and in one inspiring scene, poke a poor aerobicizer's eye with a giant safety pin. Best moment when you turn it off. I feel like it's a little bit women bashy in the middle of that review, but it's not wrong. Yeah, so, the bimbo. You don't need to say bimbo. You don't need to see overly, you need, the oh, you overly, overly endowed, endowed bimbos. I think overly endowed is okay. But, but then following bim- it up with bimbo feels a little Yeah, a little much. only one of them is a bimbo. And like whatever, man. Let people live their lives. I'm not judging. I'm not judging her. Um, let's say friendliness. I am judging her smelling that dude's jockstrap, which was very bizarre and out of like. 
<laughs> why did that happen? She I like let on that, that that was like her thing. I, I want I want more shit like that. Like I, really, also, bo- both movies had jock straps in them. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you look at those swords they're wearing. They have to wear jock straps. Yeah, because if if Travolta's not wearing a jock strap in Perfect, then. I was th- actually yeah. Speaking of which, I was talking to my wife about like the the idea of exercise equipment being like sexy and stuff like yeah. that. And it's like there's not a lot of options for guys. It's like the jockstrap is not a sexy looking thing, but at least your ass is hanging out, I guess. Well, I mean, like like I said, if 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 you if you are wearing undergarments that are properly containing things, then you can wear shorter shorts. Yeah, like you can't wear boxers and those shorts. Right. I mean, you, I mean, and, and thrust like you. <laughs> Someone would someone would lose an eye. <laughs> um, yeah, I like. I not. I guess there's not a ton to say. I think there's more to say about Perfect than Killer Workout. Killer Workout's just kind of a goofy. Well, the interesting slapstick. thing about it is that it was supposedly the like first of its of the like. Oh yeah. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna do a you know workout themed uh, slasher movie. Like it was yes. it was the first one. So there are there are actually quite a few of these. Right. Right. So it kind of started that like yeah. avalanche. I don't think it was because of this movie, but no. it was like the it was the leading uh snowball. Yeah, so what are the other ones? I mean, I don't so I've only seen okay, one specifically Death Spa. Yeah, Death Spa, which is funny cuz somebody spray paints Death Spa Death on Spa. yeah. Yeah. And like Death Spa is a, I think a better film to be honest. Yeah, that's so what like, you told me, yeah, it's a better movie, yeah. Um there's like I think Slash Dance, which I've never seen. I don't know how to get a hold of that one. If anyone has that, let me know. I would like to check that one out. There's another one I forget the name of it. And there's like some of their like tangential, right? Like they have like yeah. a, they're more like just about dancing and stuff. Things like I mean, I like, like say like Murder Rock, but it's not really about aerobics. Stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm looking up Slash Dance now. Wow, that VHS cover is amazing. Mm-hmm, Although mm-hmm. I think it's a spoof. Like I think it's supposed to be funny. Okay. Well, hey, still sure. Why not? Yeah, um, there is also yeah, like murder rock, and a lot of them are kind of fl- like flash dance tangential, you know. Right. So, like murder rock is Fulci, right? Yes. Yeah, and like I said before, yeah, we were talking earlier. Murder rock has a soundtrack by Keith Emerson that I own because I'm on a progressive, progressive rock podcast. I have to have Keith Emerson albums. I- I've never heard a good thing about murder rock. I, I like it. <laughs> okay. Now, it's do not, you like? Is it good or do you like it? I like it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, full full C, like it gets like it's stylistic, right? It's, yeah. It's it's got its weird artsy bits. It's not, you know, if you've ever seen there's a there's like a really fun Carpenter Brute video, mm-hmm. like one of the really early ones that it uses a bunch of. A uh, bunch of that movie's like scenes a- as the video. Yeah, it's fun. I bet that video uses it better than the movie, though, right? Yeah, like, totally. I mean, it's because yeah, well, the Carpenter Duper, it's awesome, and like, well, the, I mean, and the editing of the video is fantastic. That's a very right. well made video. But like, it's it's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I mean, so do you recommend Death Spa? Yes. Okay. <laughs> and Death Spa has more um, gym related slangs. Yeah, so, yes, oh god, I'm trying to remember, it's been a while, and once again, like, this is probably years ago that I saw it, but it's definitely much weirder. Is it Supernatural, or? Uh, hold on, let me make sure I'm not talking out my I butt. I can look it up, yeah, Death Spa. It's yeah, it's, yeah, uh, um, Death Spa is about 
a the arcade machine. No. A woman, a woman commits suicide, and then her her spirit possesses the club's computer control systems. Yep, that's it. Yep, that is a, that is a. It's a weird movie, and it's fun. Yeah. Okay, and it has nobody of note except no. oh, it has Kirk's son, Kirk, the the son of Kirk in Star Trek Two. Oh. Yeah, okay, I, I merit, 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 merit. Oh merit. no, it has yeah, okay. So it has Ken Foray in it. That's oh, it has Ken Foray. Oh yeah, wow, Ken Foray, badass. That dude's awesome. Oh, and it has it has um oh oh it has somebody from Perfect. <laughs> wait, what? Really? Wait, was it Rosalind Cash? No, it has um someone named Chelsea Field. It's a small role in Perfect, but they're in Perfect. Yeah. So there you go. We found a connection between <laughs> both both um. Both sides of the coin here: the the mainstream exploitation and the exploitation exploitation of yeah. workout of the eighties workout. Um, Chelsea Chelsea Field crossed that barrier. Wow, Chelsea Field is married to Scott Bakula. <laughs> like, man, talk, talk about more Star Trek connections. We can just, then just start reading weird shit on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the new podcast where we just read re- research real time. Research real time and go, wow, look at that. I'm, I know that's cheap. I'm sorry, but I had to look it up. Um, yeah, I don't know about that spot. I, I will have to check it out someday. Um, yeah, that one is uh, pretty entertaining. We could watch that and Deathbed back to back. Dude, I, I could, yeah. Like, t- There's lots of, when it comes to horror movies, there's a pile of things I want to. I know. Yeah, that's 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 your that's your area. But when the it comes whole slumber to slumber party massacre series, we could do that. Wait, yeah, we we well, those are great movies. My boyfriend loves those. Um, really? Wow. We'll talk about that. Hey, I love hey, <laughs> slumber party massacre two. Crystal Bernard. Yeah. A, no slumber slumber, slumber slumber party massacre two is awesome. Such a strange movie. But yes. we're all going off topic, and we've already talked long enough yeah. due to a barrage of technical problems. Yeah. One, I forgot to mention one more thing about Perfect that I really want to mention. I know it's, we're going way back there. I really like the soundtrack to Perfect because I don't mind it in in Killer Workout either, to be honest. Yeah, Killer <laughs> Workout is great. I there there is a there was a vinyl release of a Killer Workout soundtrack. I think it's a bootleg, but it did exist. I would love to get. I would love to have a copy of Robert, Robert Side the song. But I like the soundtrack to Perfect because it, it's just a good eighty soundtrack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It has oh, other um, than the weird like electronic William Tell overture. Like it's weird. I know you mean you mean in addition to <laughs> <laughs> I I I can't find that one online. I would love to have a copy of that that uh, dance William Tell overture. Make someone to release that on vinyl with the fifth of Beethoven. The <laughs> the um be- also because that the, hey fifth of Beethoven is in Saturday Night Fever with John Travolta. But I I like that it has. Um, Thompson Twins Lay Your Hands on Me, which is a great song. It has a Dan Hartman song. I like Dan Hartman. Dan Hartman was in um, the Edgar Winter group. He sang Free Ride. And it has Pointer Sisters. I love Pointer Sisters. It has Jermaine Jackson, you know, uh, Jermaine Stewart, you know. But it has, I like that they're doing aerobics to a Lou Reed song. <laughs> <laughs> Lou Reed, which is a terrible song called Hot Hips. But, oh, what a title. Yeah, Lou, man, early '80s Lou Reed. Who? It's bad. And then there's a Masquerade by Berlin, and I love Berlin. Mm-hmm. And this is before Top Gun, so they got on that Berlin bandwagon before Take My Breath Away. So, all right, but no, yeah, I, th- I think if you could find, you know, the soundtrack to Perfect's great. I think if you want to get the highlights of Perfect, watch the workout routines on YouTube because they are on YouTube. 
some also people have edited them with call call on me <laughs> nice so i mean there's, makes- there's like around eight to ten minutes of the movie is just workout scenes yeah with music playing over them i want to make an animated gif of travolta just just humping the air it goes on for, like I said, almost four and a half minutes in the middle of the movie. <laughs> it's not just him. It's a workout scene. It's not just Travolta humping the air for four and a half minutes. Now, him humping the air is like three of the four and a half minutes. It's, that's a it's, good point. They stick on that move a lot, and it's obvious why. <laughs> but it's like, it gets to the point where, like, okay, guys, you, you, like, you it's think, getting a little obvious. You think he was packing now? Uh, so that's a good question. <laughs> Is I don't want to bring it up, but like they were, because like they were, yes, they were going for exactly what you think they'd be going for, and because yeah. he his junk was was protruding like in a way that you'd have to try. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the opposite of tucking. It would have to be like anti, like you're trying to push everything forward you'd as much as you try. can. Yeah. Well, maybe he was just intimidated by the other dude because her roommate, the roommate character with the big hair. Yeah, that's not the only big thing on him. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, every is, short is small in that. In, he, well, he's a, he he doesn't wear swords. He just wears that leotard. Oh yeah, the leotard thing. Yeah, yeah. Which is like, God, you could kill somebody. Anyway, I'm talking about crotches now. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> the wheels have completely come off. It's been a long day, man. Yeah. So we're Te- going to wrap technical it up. Technical issues. They, technical this is issues. what happens. Like, to us. there'll be a disclaimer in the front of this. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But anyway, Matt. Technical issues aside, thanks for joining me to talk about two bad movies again. Always a pleasure to a bad person. hang out with you. Yes, <laughs> I miss you. We should do another one about some other bad movies sometime yeah. soon. I'll try and, and find ones that actually have a little bit more to talk about. Well, I think, I mean, Perfect had a lot to talk about. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Killer Workout, eh, you know. Yeah. We'll talk after we're done recording. So, but anyway, um, you don't like people finding you on the internet. So, yeah, I mean, feel free, but I'm not interesting. <laughs> I, you There's are not, not interesting on twitter no you no, are interesting. I, I don't try to gain a following or anything so like yeah spend your follows el- elsewhere spend your follows on me you can find yeah. me on twitter <laughs> at lost turntable and on my website losttuntable.com that was another episode of cinema oblivia thanks for listening Yeah.